So I just had a one-way flight into Cuba, no accommodation. Thought, you know what, I'll just wing it and figure it out when I get there. I get to the airport in Mexico um, and I go to take some money out. Wasn't able to take money out. The machine didn't work for me. Oh, no. I go through security and, and sit down and I realize that, holy shit, I left my card in the ATM in the bank machine. So, and I had no money on me, you know? So I had one, one other card, uh, which was a MasterCard, but my travel card, I didn't, was there. So I tried to speak to the security guards and they just didn't have a bar of it. And my flight was, you know, taken off in 20 minutes. So I was like, okay, I got no money. One way flight, no accommodation. I've got one card that I think will work over there. Mm. You know, what should I do? Hello, I'm Alan Hill. In this podcast series of The Nostalgic Vagabond, we're talking travel, all kinds of travel, with all kinds of interesting people from all around the world. In conversation, we'll share personal anecdotes, tales of adventure, and maybe misadventure too. Listen in for some unique cultural perspectives, tips from seasoned veterans, and an array of diverse experiences that have contributed to many life-changing journeys. Travel really is a privilege. We know that now. And if we can't do it right this very moment, let's talk about it then. Hey, where are you right now? Welcome back. It's 2021. On this initial episode of the Nostalgic Vagabond podcast, Series 2, I talk with Ashley Lammel. Ashley hails from Western Australia. He has since moved to the Northern Hemisphere for career ambitions, working in heavy industry. Over the years, Ashley has travelled to many fine destinations for work and pleasure. He has developed a unique travel philosophy as he strives to become his best traveller, one who is proactive in discovering the local experience. In conversation, we discuss what is the difference between a tourist and a traveller. Ashley shares stories from his early traveller days and his somewhat Aussie cultural cliched holidays. We talk on how one evolves as a traveller and becomes proactive in discovering just in what ways one can maximise the travelling experience in any place. Ashley tells some interesting tales of good and bad experiences in Cuba, and now he has found a way to bypass the typical tourism facade and to seek out the truisms of what life is really like in a place, wherever that place may be. Anyways, let's get to the conversation. Ashley Lamel. How's it going? Thanks for coming on. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. I'm curious, where are you right now? So I'm in Calgary. Uh, I'm in Canada, so Calgary, Alberta. And yeah, I came over here, probably moved over here about six, six and a half years ago now. So I've been calling Canada home since May of 2014. Ah, very cool. Yeah, I actually discovered you on Instagram. I remember I was... I don't even know how I came across all these pictures, but I just had a whole collage of pictures on my screen. And one in particular, I really liked, and it reminded me of Canada. So my curiosity got to me and I clicked on it and I was like, oh yeah, it is Canada. And then it took me to your profile with all your other amazing pictures as well. And it said your name. And then underneath it said this caption, living in Calgary, originally from Australia, trying to be a traveler not a tourist, to better understand this amazing world we live in. And I was like, oh man, I need to get to know this bloke. I really like the idea of that statement. I was actually mildly obsessed with the idea of what is a tourist and what is a traveler for a couple of years, to be honest. And I even created a character in one of my stories that was struggling with that philosophy as well. So I wanted to take the opportunity today, Ashley, to discuss this idea with you and talk about your experiences and I can share some of my experiences and just sort of go on a, a journey about what is a tourist, what is a traveler and how do we become our best traveler? Yeah. In your own opinion, Ashley, can you explain what you see or, or what you believe a traveler is or what a tourist is? Yeah. So I think firstly, I, I can't take, so the tourist and traveler, there was a, a similar quote that I'd stumbled across um, from a, a guy that wrote um, cookbooks or he was writing, he was looking at, he was traveling the world and he was looking at different recipes around the world. 
and he put something along those lines together around be a traveler, not a tourist. Mm. Similar to yourself, stood out to me as well because it's it's something that I would define myself as over the years through through travel experiences. And the way that I interpreted that for myself was looking back at when I first started to travel earlier in my life to now um, and how different that has become, purely based on learnings, based on experiences, places that I've gone to and the people that I've met along the way. So for me, um, my interpretation of a tourist, when I look back at my journey, traveling around to different countries, and I think about the first couple of times that I went overseas, uh, you know, originally from Perth, Western Australia, I'm pretty remote part of of Australia and really part of the world. So you're quite isolated and it's quite difficult to get anywhere really. So mm. for us, Southeast Asia is probably the quickest stop. And a lot of people from Perth and, and Australia in general go to, you know, Bali and Thailand. So you do Bali, hang out there for a bit, go to Thailand, go to Bangkok. It's about six hour flight. Bali is about three, three and a half hour flight, which is, you know, about the same distance, probably a little bit less than it takes to get to Melbourne and significantly cheaper, you know, to put things in perspective for people. But for me, those first couple of trips, um, when I look at those, it was, you know, you're hanging out the, the Aussie bars, you're, you know, you're drinking, you're hanging out with your mates, you know, you're coming back with a Bing Tang singlet or, or a singlet <laughs> singlet, you know, and you know, for you, that's, that's exploring the world. And mm. when I look back at that, I couldn't tell you, um, really a lot about the Indonesian or, or Thai cultures. I couldn't tell you a lot, I really couldn't tell you much about the people, the customs, you know, a lot about the language, the music, um, the architecture, all of those types of things, because it wasn't something that, you know, I'd really explored when I was there. It was go over there and, and get drunk with your mates type of thing and come back, you know, party. So mm. for me, when I look back at that, I saw myself now as being more of a tourist than a traveler. Mm. And then, you know, later on, as I started to travel a little bit more and do some travel by myself and with other people, I had different experiences. And that really, for me, opened my eyes a bit more to the world, to diversity, to different cultures and customs. You know, I remember when I was in, I went to Colombia, booked a trip for a couple of weeks, went down there. Um, from Canada, it's really easy. You know, the time zone change is, is relatively yeah. small and it's only a couple short flights, you know. And, you know, short flights for us, you know, five, six hours, seven hours seems like nothing for people locally seems like a big deal. But again, coming from Perth, that's that's pretty short uh, in comparison to flying from Perth to, to South America. It would take, you know, two, three days. So mm. um, went down there, went on a, a walking tour through uh, Bogota and the lady that was doing the walking tour, we're looking at some artwork, street art, and she had mentioned this um, city. And she said, you know, if you go to this location in Colombia, 50 kilometers out, there's this little village that you can go and see. Not many people know about it. There was a lot of slavery in Colombia. And there was the first, one of the first kind of slaves that had escaped and had just, a bunch of them had just traveled 50 kilometers and settled. Um, there's a river there and they, they found all the um, nutrients and things that were able to sustain a, a society there. Um, mm. And that's what they're able to do. Not many people knew about it. They had been out there for about two or 300 years and they only had just recently, the last 50 or 60 years or, or so, discovered them through, you know, as the, the economy and the, you know, the country started to expand and they're building roads and they stumble across this village. So for me, that was something that stood out, you know, that's part of, the, part of Columbia's history. That was something that I, I really was interested in exploring. And when I, unfortunately, I was actually traveling close to there, mm. got a rental car, drove out along these dusty roads, <laughs> pulled up in this, this kind of town. And this town, you know, it, it's, they still have their own language. So they do speak Spanish, but they still maintain their own, their African heritage and customs um, and language and music. Um, so it was like about 30, 35 degrees and, you know, quite humid. And I pull up and, um, you know, some of the locals come up and they start putting cardboard boxes on the, on the windscreen to like keep the car cool. And um, one of the guys comes up to the window, you know, and, you know, there's no one, there's no one else around. There's just the people that live there. And one guy could speak a little bit of English. So he, you know, he was saying, would you like a tour? I can walk you around and ended up walking me through, telling me about the history of the place, um, where they'd come from. I got to visit, you know, a few houses there. I went and had lunch with his um, his parents and they cooked me a meal and 
for me that was a local more of a local experience so that's how i would distinguish being a a traveler versus a tourist yeah i i like the way you've set that up and i was thinking about this earlier today and trying to really simplify at least in my mind a way of explaining the idea of what is a tourist what is a traveler and i was trying to find a single word and but a different word like a a, a synonym for tourist and traveler so i was sort of thinking well, what does a tourist maybe do and what does a traveler maybe do when i he, sort of was thinking of the word tourist i just was thinking mm, maybe somebody who went to egypt but just stayed on a resort beach for two weeks so that's kind of like a vacationer maybe so maybe a tourist and a vacationer are more closely related and then i was thinking traveler and that story you just described i would say that you were in colombia in bogota you're doing a walking tour you hear something there's a seed planted and you want to go on an adventure mm. and see this place or explore this idea and so maybe a traveler is more like an adventurer rather than a vacationer which is more like a tourist but then i was thinking a little bit more and maybe it's just about your comfort zone and what your comfort zone is depends on the individual but if you want to push the limits of your comfort zone does that make you a traveler mm -hmm. and if you're happy to stay inside and rest and and luxuriate in your comfort zone does that make you a tourist hence the the resort beach in egypt yeah what do you think about that yeah i agree i think what you touched on is you know if you come across information whether it's a a tour that you're on whether it's a group of people whether it's someone that you overhear you know something that you overhear someone saying or somebody that you meet while you're over there as a local if that triggers in you that interest to go you know what it's not something that's actually captured on tripadvisor's top 10 things to do in this city mm. but it's something that I want to do to understand a little bit more because it's about what motivates you to explore and understand that local culture and that location beyond what is you know there's i think there's different things that, like you mentioned about the the resort you know that's something that's relaxing for people and that's more for themselves to decompress and digest mm. the travel experience is more about trying to understand the location that you're in and the realities of how people actually live because i guarantee you in those types of places where the, where there are the resorts that's not a true representation of the local culture because mm. probably the locals in some of those countries rarely if ever have the opportunity other than working in some of those resorts would actually be able to experience it for themselves so it's not really their kind of typical way of life and i don't think there's any right or wrong answer but i think it's what triggers in you to say you know what i'm going to go a little bit out, out of my comfort zone whether it is information that you've heard or whether or not it's just yourself proactively walking around and trying to meet people and talk to people i've been to cuba a couple of times mm -hmm. and the first time was an absolute disaster uh and i learned a lot about myself <laughs> through that that trip uh okay. the second time i was a lot more prepared you know the second time i went with a couple of mates from australia that had flown over to i actually met up with them in the states i flew down from canada and we went traveling through there um we wound up in um in havana cuba on new year's eve you know they've got this old town havana where there's like old squares and things like that restaurants music playing all those types of things we sat down had a couple of beers and then we thought you know what let's just go wandering through the street so that's what we did and you don't really have to go too far before that facade of you know these big beautiful squares with the music and the nice you know painted buildings and things slowly start to disappear and then it becomes more real about the the kind of conditions that people are living in mm. and you know cuba you know it's 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 a place where there's a lot of history there but once you start leaving those squares you see like the devastation in the buildings like they they're really not well maintained and then there's not a lot really good lighting so we were kind of wandering around this is like 11 o'clock at night 10 11 o'clock at night mm. the first day that we got there we go past this one street and there's a a guy sitting at the front um he couldn't speak any english but one of my mates um his he was dating a, a girl from colombia who he's now married to so he learned a little bit of spanish the local guy said to us he just said beer and we're like yep let's sit down and have a beer with this guy you know you see he's, he's, he's these these three guys wandering down the street and we're like okay so he gets up 
you know, he opens up his door, he brings out, he, you know, he's sitting on this, this little stool and he brings out a couple of little stools with him. Great. Gives us a beer each and we're sitting on the curb with him. Uh, I, was, I think I was sitting on the curb, a couple of my mates were sitting on the, on the stools and we're just chatting to him, you know. While we went, me and one of my mates weren't chatting to him, but one of our other mates that could speak a bit of Spanish was, was talking to him and translating. And we just had beers with him all night. And then once it hit New Year's Eve, people started opening their windows, coming out onto the balconies and throwing buckets of water out onto the ground and, you know, throwing, smashing eggs and things on the ground. And that was more of a, a local experience for us. And we didn't know that was their local tradition for, for New Year's. It's about for them renewal and, you know, about good luck for, for the following year. And we ended up going back there just about every day and having more conversations with him and meeting his daughter and meeting his wife and then learning a little bit more about the, the Cuban culture through that. Uh, we wouldn't have had that experience had we not decided just to go wandering around the streets. You know, we weren't directly looking to meet people, but if you're walking around, you, the chances are and you're open to it that you're going you're gonna to come across those types of experiences. So, so I think for me, one of it is, is the information, if you hear about something, and the other one is you go and explore proactively yourself. And I think you made a good point about being open to the possibility of a random occurrence or the possibility of meeting somebody and just going with the flow. There's, there's a lot to be said in being open when traveling and the universal thing that can bind people together when traveling is beer. Yeah. So I suppose if there's any advice to be given, <laughs> if you can learn the word beer in multiple languages, it'll probably help you out quite a lot. <laughs> 100%, yeah. Cerveza, that's the, probably the only, the only Spanish I know. <laughs> you, know you, kind of, you try to learn a couple of words and then, yeah, like you said, one beer, please, is typically the, the only three words that you, you, you narrow down from country to country. Some of the first words I learn in a foreign language is, you know, hello, thank you, <laughs> one beer, please. Yeah. That's, that's like <laughs> your go-tos. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, Ashley, you were saying earlier that I guess your initial trips abroad were to places like Bali and uh, Thailand from your native home in Perth there in Western Australia. You've since moved to Canada. You've been exploring uh, Cuba and Colombia and I imagine lots of other places as well. How do you think you've evolved as a traveler? How have you changed? And were there certain events or things that had driven this change to making you into the type of traveler and, and the traveler that's still evolving today? Yeah, I, there's a couple of things that stand out. I think for me, the biggest one is, is really understanding that you don't have to go too far outside of the whole hotels and the restaurant experiences um, before you go beyond that facade and you just really start to understand and experience local cultures in different countries. But also through those experiences, you start to appreciate how lucky you are. And really the only difference in, in my trajectory in life and my future has been the country that I was fortunate in being um, born in. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, they have the same ambitions and drives and, you know, but that f complete formula isn't there. And there's a lot of restrictions around them purely based on where they were born. The one that stands out for me was I spent a lot of time in, in Guinea, in West Africa. So I was over there for work and I spent about 18 months over there. Um, and I know you had, a, I was listening to the podcast that you had um, with one of your mates that actually had visited Guinea. Cameron Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I found that one quite interesting. And he was saying, I had the same ex experience as him when he said, you kind of fly in from France and you land in this desert in Mauritania, yeah. um, which is about an hour or so north. And you, as you're landing, it's just like desert, you know, and, and all of a sudden the plane stops, people get off. You're sitting there wondering what's going on and then the plane takes off and you, you go along your way <laughs> and then so guinea for me was a really eye-opening experience and it was probably the first real true traveling experience that i had although i was there for work and i spent a lot of time there i i try to um, make the most of it and, and explore um, local villages and local towns and really understand and appreciate what people don't have you know mm. compared to what i had and one thing that stands out for me was we weren't allowed to drive over there. So we had drivers, um, local drivers. And my manager at the time, uh, he and I decided that, you know what, we're going to go and we'd love to see where our driver's hometown and village is. And it was about yeah. two hours outside the city. 
for them, they don't have running water. So they have wells that they basically pump from wells into buckets and that's how they get their water supply. Uh, my manager was financing them to, to drill a well. So he wanted to go check it out and, and meet the family and, and all of that. So on the way out there, um, getting pretty close to where his village is, we passed by this school. Uh, and there's a bunch of kids just out the back kicking a, a deflated old dirty soccer ball around, you know, like in the, in the sand, there's no grass or anything. There's probably about 20 kids. And soccer is something that there really brings people together. It's their, their national sport mm. and it's something that they really pride themselves in. Um, we had the soccer balls that we would hand out to um, the community. And I just happened to have one with me at the time that was inflated. So, you know, we stopped the car that, and um, got out and I kind of just dropped the soccer ball down by my feet. I could see this girl starts to, they, they start to see, you know, cause you, you stand out, this, this car turns up and then, uh, you know, these three white people get out and they're like, what, what's going yeah. on here? And um, <laughs> they see that we've got this soccer ball. Um, so they start to walk over as I kick the soccer ball over to them. They just, you know, they start running around cheering, you know, going crazy and they're kicking this new soccer ball around. Their teacher comes over and um, talks to our driver in the local language and says, thanks so much. We've been, you know, we've been looking to, to get a new soccer ball for some time, but we haven't been able to get one. And that really stood out to me. You know, that's something that we can go to the shops and go and pick up. It costs nothing. Mm. We can have 20 of them yeah. if we want. But for them, it's, it, you, the little things have such a big impact. And that kind of opened my eyes a lot to, you know, how lucky we are, but also the importance of, getting outside of the kind of the resorts and getting outside of, you know, the major cities and exploring and really understanding and appreciating um, the realities of, and the conditions that some people, that some people mm. live in. Yeah. I think you've explained that what you've seen and experienced of the reality of this world and how it is on such a spectrum of, of equality and of wealth and of living conditions it really puts things in perspective i suppose is a good word and when you see other places and you can then compare your life to other people's you can then really appreciate all the things in your life that i guess you take for granted sometimes and they are real blessings because a lot of people have a lot less than us right mm. yeah absolutely yeah, I think it makes you a lot more resilient, especially in times like today. Mm. You know, if you have, if you can compare one country to the other, if you can compare where you're from to, you know, other countries, other cultures and customs, it really puts things into perspective. And when you have things like, okay, there may be a lockdown, you know, you, you realize that you're actually living in a, in a location where there's a lot of positives and you have a lot of opportunities where it's going to be significantly more difficult for people um, that don't have that. So yeah, that just helps you, you know, be a little bit more resilient, not only professionally, but personally, at least for myself anyway. Going back to the premise that I mentioned at the start and your Instagram quote, if you want to call it that, how do you think travel helps you to better understand this amazing world? Have you got any specific examples? that you've had on your experiences? I think that for me, it's helped me understand people uh, because for me, I think it's not so much about the location, but it's the people that you meet while you're there or it's the people that you may be traveling with while you're there. You know, so that's, that's a big part of it for me is, is the people. And I've learned a lot about people through those experiences by actively trying to meet different people if I can um, and spend the, the time, the effort, understanding and meeting and, and trying to go to different locations and just how compassionate people are I think as well you know I yeah. I went to the Bahamas with my brother last year and we flew into Nassau um, from Calgary and then we were there for only for a few days and we thought you know what let's head out to one of these small islands um, so we flew into this island called Exuma and um, we didn't know at the time that there was this one-off annual festival going on that weekend <laughs> We had no idea. So we just, we'd booked it in advance, got there, but it meant that there was no taxis available. There's no rental cars. You know, it was really difficult to get around. The accommodation that we booked was about five kilometers out of town. It was through an, an Airbnb. You know, we were there for probably four or five days, I think. Uh, and the first morning we're like, you know, we, we got about a 5k walk into town. 
we've got no other way of getting there because there's no taxis or anything. Can't get any cars, so let's just start walking. And then we thought, you know, let's let's see if we can hitchhike. We never hitchhiked before traveling, but we thought let's give it a crack. So the first car that comes past picks us up, and um, yeah, where are you guys going? Takes us into town. You know, through that we realize that people are very open and um, very kind. It doesn't matter where you're from. They're very interested in in your kind of journey, but also interested in, in why you came there in the first place. So we end up meeting all these people. We we didn't even we just ended up hitchhiking the entire time all around the island for the next five days. Cool. And literally, it would have been the first. If it wasn't the first car, it would have been the second car that drove past that picked us up. You know, one time we we're on a school bus, and this guy owned a, a local <laughs> store, and he's like, and we're like, you know, we're trying to get to this north side of the island, and he's like, okay. He was the store owner and as, as well as a local school bus driver. So he was like, okay, mm. come back at this time. I'm going to go pick all the kids up from school. No, he said, I'm going to drop all the kids off to school. So come here and then and it goes in that direction. So we're like, okay. So we go there, jump on this school bus and the school bus is going to all these houses and all these kids are like jumping on the bus and we're just sitting at the back and they're staring at us like, what are these two clowns <laughs> doing, you know? <laughs> And then so he just keeps nice. dri- driving along until he gets to this road, stops, and he's like, yep, this is a, you just go down this, follow this path down there, and there's the beach down there, and you can kind of wander around. Uh, and that's that's what we did. And we just, you know, for me, that's just those experiences and memories that I have and will always think about more so than uh, the Bintang singlet or the, the T-shirt that I brought that, you know, after one use or one wash, it shrunk uh, about yeah. three sizes. <laughs> yeah that's great I, I love it how i guess random and spontaneous events have happened and that you've embraced them and gone with the flow and just said yes so the example you used when you're in cuba and just drinking beers in the streets i love that you were there right place right time someone asked if you wanted a beer and a chat you said hell yes this occasion well you could have walked all the way into town but you decided hey why not try hitchhiking and you got a ride, you got another ride, you met some interesting people, you spent time with them, you embraced it, you said yes, and these are some really interesting experiences that, in a way, they don't happen to most people. It's a rare thing, but it was because of your choices and your positivity and your willingness to just go with the flow that enabled these doors to be opened and for you to have this unique and memorable experience on your journey. I was just wondering, Ashley, have you got any proactive strategies that you've come up with or you've utilized in terms of being proactive and trying to meet local people? Have have you gone to a place, for example, where you don't know anyone, but you've tried to meet local people through through something? Yeah. So, I mean, in the beginning, I would just go to a bar, yeah. you know, and have a chat to people, you know, and just be like, how you going, you know, and because you stand out, because you you sound different to people locally it's really easy to meet people you know and they're usually quite open receptive to a conversation so that was my first strategy or as well as doing that the other thing that i've found is through fitness um, and through running like running is this universal sport that you don't need a lot of equipment for you know it's something that a lot of people have passion in and there's a lot of different running groups probably in every city most cities around the world there'll be in some shape or form a running group and so I've done that a few times where I've through like Facebook groups, I'll take a look if I'm going to a certain place and I'll um, start, re- start searching for run groups. And I was in, oh, dogs just jumping up on me. Um, <laughs> I was in, um, I've done that a few times. So I was in Manila last year and I did that, joined up, synced up with a run group there. We, we had a workout uh, and then through that, you start meeting some people uh, and then like, you know what, let's, let's go out here. Let's do this on the weekend. I was in the States and I did it there. I was in Austin and um, beginning of this year in Vegas was able to spend some time with the run group and they're people that I still, I'm still in touch with today. So they're, they're experiences that I had where, you know, these people end up becoming long-term friends and close friends, even though you're, you, you're only there for a week and you come back to wherever you're going to, wherever your home is, you, you still stay in touch with them. So that was something that was that was really I found quite helpful, um, especially in Canada. You know, moving over here and it's quite difficult when you move to a new country and you don't know anybody. Uh, I found that fitness and exercise was 
and different types of sporting groups is a really good way to meet people. So um, there's a local uh, running group here, YOSC Run Group. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a terrible runner. You know, like I, I, I really struggle, but I enjoy the, you know, I enjoy the challenge. Um, I get a lot out of it and I really enjoy meeting the people. And I remember the first time that I went down to the run group here and, uh, you know, I just went down with, had headphones in and I was expecting, oh, it's a run and we'll, we'll kind of socialize afterwards. But everybody's chatting to you as you're running and it's this, this kind of way to, to meet new people. Um, so I found yeah. that quite helpful. And you, you find some really, really inspiring, interesting individuals through that. So that's something that's worked for me and it's something I think I'll continue doing. Yeah, I mean, it's a win-win situation, isn't it? Because you can keep fit whilst making new connections and getting involved in the local fitness culture of the, the place you're visiting. It's really nice, man. Yeah. What was it like running in Vegas, though? Is it pretty hot? So I was there in January. Um, oh, right. So it's, you know, it's co- the cooler months, but it's still, I mean, it was like 20s, mid-20s. So I was, that was fine. I was, I couldn't imagine in the summer what it would be like running there. It would be uh, terrible, but yeah, it was it was good. We did a really <laughs> early morning run. It was like seven o'clock in the morning, you know. Yeah. And you're a little bit hazy eyed because you've been out. It was like a Saturday morning, so I'd been out on the Friday night. But I thought, you know, I'm gonna yeah. get up, go there, and and go for a run and and meet some people. So, yeah. you know, that's something that I did. I also found that if you find something that unites a a country or culture, that's also an, an option to explore so I, I spent a bit of time in china last year and right. um, for them you know i found that very difficult initially to try to meet people because of the language barrier and quite often you know you can go to places and i think we're quite lucky where english is spoken around a lot of parts of the world but if you're in a place or a, in a country or a city or a town where really not a lot of people speak English and you can't expect them to speak English. You just have to be a little bit more creative. So when I was there, I really, really struggled. I couldn't chat. I couldn't go to, but I couldn't chat to anybody because, you know, they really, they weren't able to speak English and I didn't know any Mandarin. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was quite challenging, but what is, is quite important to people in China is tea. That's something that is a, a custom that they have. It's something that they do with their family, with their friends. Uh, and when you walk around, you start to realize that there's a lot of little tea shops around where they sell tea and they make tea for people and loose leaf tea. So I was walking around uh, and then I just walk into these shops or these places and, and sit down with them. And then they start making me tea. And these are all like family run small businesses. And then, so they, they're more often than not, they would have young kids and their kids are learning English at school. So they start to teach me a little bit of Chinese and I could, you know, through them translate a little bit. And that was one way that um, I could start to meet local people was through that, Mm. you know, so I think there's different ways. Um, When it's non-English speaking, it becomes more challenging, but it's not impossible. I think it's just how you, how you kind of look to overcome that. Yeah. Um, My next question is kind of something that you've just brushed over and it was going to be, have you developed your own kind of travel philosophy over the years? And what I'm getting from you, and you can correct me if I've misinterpreted, but it seems that you actually try to find some kind of commonality, whether that be through beer (laughs) or tea or running or some uh, cultural um, significant event or lifestyle or sport where you can network and get to meet the local people that way. Is that something that you've developed over the years and is that something that you're going to continue to develop and this will become your, your way of traveling? I think so. It's not something I've, I've consciously thought about. I think it's just evolved over time. I think through those experiences like the Cuba experience or, you know, understanding about how you can meet people through playing through soccer or sport in Guinea or, mm-hmm. you know, in, in some of these other countries like the Bahamas where they play cricket there's different ways that you can meet people. And it wasn't something that I had really consciously thought about. I think I just naturally stepped into it. And then you kind of have that aha moment where you're like, you know what, this is actually working. Mm. This is something that really is a way to bring down the barriers. You know, I do like to, if I can learn a few words, but they're very minimal and I usually butcher them anyway. So (laughs) it's really hard to kind of use that as a way to, to really have a conversation. But I think that, 
one of the things that I've noticed and picked up on in South America is that, you know, salsa and dance is, is a way that they really communicate through music. Uh, and I'm terrible yeah. at, at dancing. Like I just have, like, I, I can't do it at all. I remember when I was in uh, that experience when I was in Cuba and I was with a couple of mates, we actually, um, on one of the days we met another local and he said, you know what, come back to my house and I'll cook you lunch. You can meet my wife and um, we can hang out for a bit. So that's what we did. And while um, he was cooking lunch and, he, and his wife was there, they were playing like music. And then she was trying to teach us salsa. And it was the most awkward experience that I've ever had because, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to dance with her yeah. and my mate didn't want to more because we're just, uncoordinated when it comes to dancing you know so and yeah. salsa is this like flowy kind of you know i'm happy to yeah. stand in the back of a pub and ma maybe shuffle my feet and rock from side <laughs> to side with a beer in my hand that's that's the extent <laughs> of it you know so yeah. she's trying to teach us to dance and um and she's holding our shoulders and saying stop don't move your shoulders all in the hips and we just couldn't figure it out mm. um and i think she was going to be frustrated in the end but you know we we gave it a crack but that was one thing that i wish that if I could dance, that's a, another way that you could, you could quite easily meet people and absorb yourself in the culture, particularly in places like Latin America. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's that Aussie man curse. We don't learn how to dance in Australia. <laughs> no. So yeah, we look super pathetic when we go to <laughs> South America or lots of Mediterranean places like Spain and, 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 yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's quite embarrassing, really. If you can't <laughs> if you can't dance, you're a nobody there. You know, it's like you can't you can't talk to anybody, and everybody's dancing. You're like, oh, I'll just sit down and shut up. <laughs> when you look back at uh, your journey, Ashley, and you reflect on your traveling experiences and how you've evolved and changed from your early days in Bali and Thailand, and and to the places and and the types of things you get up to now. What are some of the achievements that you're most proud of? I think for me, I'm quite a methodical person. So in the beginning, when I was traveling, I would have this spreadsheet and I'd be like, okay, I'm going from point A to point B. This is the accommodation. This is the bus or the train or the rental car that I need to pick up. Um, these are the days that I'm going to be there. And it was this really kind of structured approach. And then I realized that, it's more important to just have a couple of hotspots and say, okay, this is generally what I want to do. And some of the places that I want to go to, because I would start to meet people and they'd be like, Hey, there's this beach or there's this town. We're going to go check it out tomorrow or next week. And then your plans just start to change. Mm. That was something that for me, just the way that my brain works was quite difficult because I like to have that structure and that plan. So that, that really is something that I had to work on, but I got a lot of value from, and I realized that, you know, I grew a lot through that by just booking a trip somewhere and saying, you know what, here's a couple of places I'm going to go to. It's pretty open-ended for a large part of it. I've done a little bit of research. Um, there's some things I want to um, at least achieve while I'm there, but really I'm going to make an effort to meet people and understand what I don't know, you know, what's not on TripAdvisor, what I can't, I can't research. So that's, that for me, I think personally, I, I find is a, it's been quite an achievement just because of how just my makeup, you know, my makeup has always been this structure and planning. And, and that's kind of how I approach my work. But then when I'm traveling, it's now become quite different. I guess you were quite rigid in the types of planning that you had in the past. And, and now have you kind of thrown that idea out the window and had to change your mindset to be more free spirited, more spontaneous and not plan too much because if you did then they would just get spoiled yeah i think there's a happy medium because you know my first trip to cuba was completely unplanned i basically was in mexico and i met some people in a, in a hostel and they said hey have you been to cuba and i said nope i said you you know we had a really good experience there we, we recommend you go there so i and they said you know what what happens is because the internet's really difficult for people to get access to there you can't book you know, there's things like Airbnb and, and hotels and stuff. It's really hard to make bookings. So what you do is you land at the airport. And once you leave the airport, there'll be local families there with booklets. And they'll show you pictures of their houses and you go and stay with them. Mm. So it's like, okay, cool. That's what I'll do. So I didn't know what I was, how long I was going to be there for. And I didn't know what I was going to do after that. So I just had a one-way flight into Cuba, no accommodation. Thought, you know what, I'll just wing it and figure it out when I get there. 
I get to the airport in Mexico um, and I go to take some money out. I, I realized I didn't, wasn't able to take money out. The machine didn't work for me. Oh, no. I go through security and, and sit down and I realize that, holy shit, I left my card in the ATM in the bank machine. So, and I had no money on me, you know? So I had one, one other card, uh, which was a MasterCard, but my travel card, I didn't, was there. So I tried to speak to the security guards and they just didn't, didn't have a bar of it. And my flight was, you know, taken off in 20 minutes. So I was like, okay, I got no money, one way flight, no accommodation. I've got one card that I think will work over there. Mm. You know, what should I do? I sit down and there's, uh, I overhear this Aussie couple chatting they were waiting at the front of the, where the boarding was and uh, they had a tablet with them. So I just, cause I didn't even, cause you had to pay, I didn't have internet, didn't have access. There was no Wi-Fi in that area. Um, and you'd yeah. had to pay to use a little computer, which I didn't have any money to do. So I just asked them, do you guys mind if I use your tablet so I can check my banking accounts, make sure no one's taking any money out. I didn't tell them anything else. I said, yep, no worries. I checked it. It was fine. The plane starts boarding and I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just do it. I'll jump on the plane and see what happens. This plane was full just by chance um, where I sat down that Aussie couple was, I was on the, on the window side and they were the center and, and the aisle seats oh, wow. right next to me of this entire flight. So we just get chatting now from Adelaide. So we're talking on the way there and I was just explaining to them. Yeah, look, I don't, I'm, hopefully I can get some money out. I don't have accommodation or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we, we think we have accommodation. We're not hundred percent sure. We haven't really heard back from the person, but we, we know what the address is. So we're just trying to get out there and we're looking to get money out when we get there as well. But they had 50 CUC, which is equivalent to 50 US dollars. So we get to the airport. I try to take money out with my machine and card didn't work. So now I'm stuck there in this country with no money, uh, one way flight, no flight out, no access to internet, uh, no accommodation. Then they do the same and, uh, and he couldn't use his card either. Mm. So luckily he had the $50 still on him. So I'm like, and I go to leave the airport and there's no families there standing there with booklets to offer any accommodations. <laughs> the information that I got was in- incorrect. So I'm, oh like, oh, I'm like, my only other option was just to sleep there the night and then try to figure it out the next day. Unfortunately, um, that couple, they said, you know, jump in a taxi with us. We'll see if you can stay with us. So we go back to this place this little old lady comes out and there's like this granny flat at the back and you know, there's now they're there with some stranger. I'm like sleeping on the ground in the corner thinking, what am I going to do? Like I need to get out of here <laughs> somehow, figure out how to get to it, you know, fly up to Canada or something was the plan. It took us a couple of days to try to get money and we were down to like $10. You know, now I'm a burden on them because they're trying to support me and feed me and we're going to banks and we're trying to using our passports and hotels and we couldn't get access to money. Wow. Um, we're down to our last $10 and we found this really cheap place that gave us chicken and rice. So we're eating that. And uh, there was probably a few dollars left. You know, we're in Cuba where it's known for its cigars and it's rum and stuff like that. So he's like, you know, let's, he's like, he ordered a couple of drinks and a cigar. Uh, and his missus was livid because she's like, you idiot. Like you've wasted the last few dollars that we have on like alcohol and cigars. And, <laughs> and he was like, well, we'll, we'll figure something out tomorrow. Fortunately, by day three, we were able to. He was able to get access to money. Um, gave me some money. I could get. I could then um, get access to the internet. I booked a flight out of there the next day. Flew up to Canada and then transferred the money to them, and they went into South America. Um, I'm still in touch with them today. So I think there's a fine line. Like it's like a happy medium of having some sort of plan, but not being too structured. Yeah, and I guess having the finances as well is obviously a big part of it, but not having access to your finances sometimes is something that is an unfortunate thing that happens to you. Isn't it funny that, you know, you met someone at the airport and then you were on the same row as them? I mean, it's funny that when things happen that are kind of unfortunate, it always seems that there's a way out. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you've made a friendship with this couple that you still have and you shared a crazy experience of survival and trying to get on and eat and sleep and you know figure out where you're at in a foreign country and you did it together and you worked as a team and um, I think those experiences can happen when traveling at the time they might be uncomfortable and a bit annoying but you grow from them don't you Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then you just, like I said, you become more resilient through those experiences because you realize that for something to happen, you have to make it happen. Um, so sitting there and thinking, you know, holy shit, I've got no money. Um, <laughs> well, I don't have access to my money. I don't have a flight out of here, no accommodation. If you didn't do anything, nobody's just going to actively go up to you and, and know what your story is. You have to try to make something out of it. And that was one of, one of the experiences that I had where it just seemed to work. And like you said, it was just by chance, just by chance that they were sitting next to me and I they overheard them with an Aussie accent and used their tablet and then happened to be sitting with on them next to them yeah. on the plane. And then we had a similar experience where they couldn't get money out either. So then it become, you know, and then we, through that, we try to battle through. So crazy, man. That's, that's awesome. Obviously it's difficult to travel at the moment with COVID all over the world, but I imagine Ashley that your journey will continue where you're going to keep growing and trying to become the best traveler you can be have you thought about particular adventures or experiences or certain challenges that you want to throw yourself into to push you further ahead in your your journey as a traveler yeah i have there's a lot of place i mean when i when i look at the world map i generally don't look at the places that i've been to i look at the places that i haven't been to and when i look at that in comparison i see that there's a large part of the world that i have not yet explored or experienced or visited and even the places that i've been to i could go there at different times of the year and it'll be a completely different experience as well so i'm always looking for different locations or different places that i think for me may be interesting iceland's one that's on the list there i'd love to go up there i'd like to go into sri lanka that would be really interesting nepal would be interesting you know even places like i went into i went to south korea had the opportunity to head out there for the winter Olympics. Mm. Uh, that was a really fun experience. And I um, went to the DMZ and went right to the border where um, North Korea is. And for me, that's quite a fascinating place, an interesting place that I would like some time to be able to go and visit purely because of how um, limited the information is that we get out of there. And, and for me, what I've realized over the years is we get inputs from a lot of things, from media, from TV, from movies, from friends, from whatever, about what a place is like. It's not until you actually go there that you make up your mind for yourself. And I guarantee you the people will be just like anyone else. You know, there's, there's still kids going to school. There's still families working, all of those types of things. So that's, that's a place that's on the list for me at, at some stage. Um, I'd like to get there. But yeah, I, I'm, always, I'm always looking for different places and and try to chat to different people that are from certain countries and to understand those little hidden gems that you wouldn't otherwise have known about, but it's difficult now. And, you know, I think if the biggest, one of the biggest challenges for me is that I can't travel. It's not, that's not a, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing that could be happening right now. So I'm okay with that. Just carry on, eh? <laughs> My favorite four. Ashley, what is your favorite time of day? Um, end of the day, sunset. What's your favorite animal? Uh, I'm going to say the eagle, just because I'm from Perth and the West Coast Eagles uh, footy club. So I'll go with that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's your favorite site or location? Favorite location would be in the Rocky Mountains uh, in Canada. It's just a, it's a really amazing part of the world. And it's always different whether you go there summer, autumn, winter or spring, it's a completely different experience. I really enjoy it. Nice. And the final one, what's your favorite ocean or sea? I'm going to say I like the Pacific. Nice. Yeah. You know, that's something that is quite difficult actually when you're living in Calgary because you're landlocked, but the ocean is, you know, as being an Australian, it's something that we brought up pretty close to. So yeah, for sure, the Pacific. Yeah. I grew up on the Pacific Ocean for my formative years, let's say. Yeah. But you're on the Indian side in Perth, right? I am. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of East West. So maybe I should have said the Indian. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got the one right. Let me change my answer. Pacific. Pacific. <laughs> Pacific yeah. Uh, uh, that's, that's your answer. That's final. <laughs> my favorite four. 
to finish off, Ashley, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your photography because I've noticed on your Instagram, you've got some really, really nice photographs. Do you have a, a, a specific interest in photography or a type of photography? I do like landscape. I mean, it's something that for me, you know, I'm not a, I'm more just amateur, more hobbyist photographer. It's something that um, in the last few years, it's more of a creative outlet for me. So if I go somewhere and whether it's taking photos of people, or taking photos of locations um, at certain times or days, I find it's a good way to really share what that location, what that place is about. And for all those photos that have a certain meaning for me, and there's a certain story behind it. You know, I, I recently brought a, my first kind of mirrorless camera last year. So I've been playing around with that. Um, the other thing that I take with me to uh, on sun trips is a drone. And I've found that that's a really good way to get some unique aerial shots. Um, so I take that with me as well. What I'd love to do is be able to select some of the, the photos and have them blown up and put on my wall at, uh, you know, at my home of some of these landscape pictures, because that's for me, when I'm at home, they all have certain meaning. Uh, there's a certain story there. Uh, and it's just reinforces what I've learned through that kind of that traveling experience. So yeah, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And where I can, I try to take a, a few photos and, and share them. Do you keep albums or are they all digitally on your hard drive? Uh, I do have them digitally. So I've got quite a bunch stored. I've got a lot that I took when I was in Guinea. Um, most countries that I've been to, I've taken a bunch of, of photos. So I do have them stored there, but I also get a little bit paranoid because, you know, I've had hard drives and things crash in the past. So I have backups beyond backups. You know, I don't have them <laughs> sitting there stored. So yeah. hopefully I don't lose anything. But uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a, a storage of uh, different photos and videos that I've taken along the way. Well, Ashley, Ashley Lamel. Thanks for coming on the show, on the podcast. I've really appreciated your stories and your insight on your travels and your perspectives on the whole idea of traveling and becoming your best traveler. So thanks very much. Thank you very much for having me. Enjoyed the chat. Yeah. Thanks for listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. And if you would like to listen to other interesting talks on travel, there are more podcasts available. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. And for updates, just follow me at The Nostalgic V. Don't forget, your journey is special. Own it. I've been Alan Hill. Until next time. Hey guys, if you enjoy listening to The Nostalgic Vagabond, why not support the podcast? If you haven't already, subscribe and you'll be notified when new apps drop. You can also support the podcast by leaving a rating or a review on your podcast app. Why not share this episode? Tell your friends about it if something resonated with you. Word of mouth is great promotion. If you're into social media, maybe post a screenshot of the episode or upload the link on your profile so your mates can see what interesting content you've been into lately. All your support comes straight back and helps to keep the travel content and nostalgia of this podcast going. Cheers. So don't forget to subscribe.